with a bang. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell. All box, all the time. Just how you like it, folks. Your boy BC back in the house, ready to make that money player. Yes, ready to give you the interview you have longed for from day one-ish of the In This Combat podcast. Who? Who? Hi, it's Dwyer. The week of the No, fire. no, not that interview. Hey, you want to talk about Dwyer's future on this podcast? Well, that was a short conversation. Hopefully that guy can get his back foot together and email us back. We've got the Gypsy King, Tyson Fury, who returns to the ring this Saturday on ESPN+. And this man is off the damn rails. You're going to want to stop what you're doing because we're about to ruin audio podcasting as you know it. Shout out to my producer, Mikey Mormile, for beeping out, I don't know, 79 inappropriate words over a 15-minute span. We got a nice chat, too, as well with WBO featherweight champion Heather the Heat Hardy, who this Friday in zone. One heck of a women's boxing match that I'm sure Rafe Boogs will care about when she goes in there against Amanda Serrano. Two names you definitely know at the old MSG theater. And uh, yeah, so that's what we do in the show, okay? We bring it. We're a little buffoonish. But where else are you going to get that type of package? Where else would you have a soundboard so big you could never find the button that you're looking for? Oh, yeah, this show right here. All right. Hey, uh, five-star review season upon us. Please get ahead of yourself. Give back. It's the holiday season. All right? So whoop-dee-doo, right? Dippity-da. Five-star review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you I mean, I know you guys love us, but you must have forgot lately. We need a little bit more. I know you didn't forget about my co-host. Let's bring him in right now. We've got so much Gypsy to talk about. He's a New York Times bestselling author, a Filipino TV icon, and a protector of all things cruiserweights. Rafe Bartholomew. Lick you up. Let me lick you, lick you down. Cruise away. Best division in box. Oh, if you respect box, cruise with me. Hey, all baby Rafe Boogs. I should have said the athletics own boxing features. Thank you, man. At least somebody got the score right. Staff writer at the athletic box. Some Irish guy, right, Rafe? Which one? Canelo? You. Me. I am only one quarter Irish. I just happen to be raised around the Irish at McSorley's Old Ale House in New York City. But my dad, who works there, is not the Irish part. My mom was half Irish. But my dad is not. He's just some bum from Ohio who ended up living above a bar and spent his life there. Wow. Uh, This will not be the last time we talk about or two. Irish people today. So shout out to the Gypsy crew, the Alex Godinez crew, the Irish crew. Hey, Rafe, um, where do you think we're at in the history of our relationship with Richard Dwyer? Is it over? How do you mean? Do you mean because he hasn't appeared on the show yet? Because he's ghosting your emails? Well, Rafe, they say, they say, don't meet your idol. Some have said, don't interview your idol. So we've always had this image of what actually getting Richie D 
on this show would feel like, look like, and sound like. Hi, it's Dwyer, the week of the fight. And based upon the fact that we interviewed one of our heroes, I interviewed one of our heroes this week, Tyson Fury, and spoiler alert, Rafe, it didn't necessarily go the direction I thought it would. So the people are going to get a chance to hear that shortly. But um, I don't know if I'm rocking Team Gypsy after this chat, this controversial chat you're about to hear, in which one of the two of us got hung up on at the end. Um, should this be a, a, a harbinger of potential doom? Should we finally connect the dots and get and get uh, Attorney Dwyer on this program? O'Brien, yeah, look, this is this is a conversation that's happening all over society at this point. How do you separate the art from the artist. Can you separate the art from the artist? Now, just because you didn't have the 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 interview of your dreams with Tyson Fury, that doesn't first of all, we don't know what he may may have been the interview of his dreams. He may have loved it. He's not. He's. It, it shouldn't affect how you perceive him as a fighter. Of course, it wouldn't affect your analysis because you're a, a completely objective robot and you never, ever, ever let emotions into things. And that's how you get scores right, like Austin Trout over Canelo, well, that's how men or yeah. or Andre Ward over Sergey Kovalev, the for Sergey Kovalev the first time. That's how Brian gets these great scores. Hey, Thurman um, may have beaten Pacquiao. May, it might have. It might have happened, bro. All right, uh, Brian. I'm just saying, don't let it get you down. Don't act like. You can't enjoy Tyson Fury, the character, the man, and most importantly, the fighter, because that's what brings us to him in the first place throughout the rest of his career just because of one interview. You're going you're, you're gonna to be in this game for a long time, champ. You're going to have a lot more pies to eat, and you are going to get another crack at the king, the G-king. And you know what? The next time, maybe you're face-to-face. Maybe you get that bond. Maybe it comes together for you. And the same goes for Dwyer. Dwyer could ignore us for the rest of our lives, the rest of his life. He Maybe he, he loves, he covets, he cherishes the air of mystique that he has as this man who just talks into a webcam and, and delights the Unabomber? masses and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to puncture that balloon he's kind of like boxing's unabomber yeah or a unicorn <laughs> in that regard um i should have challenged channeled my inner dwyer at some point during this interview with fury when the train was dangling rafe by a ball hair from the tracks at some point i probably could have jumped in and been like hey man don't be a blank you know hey you're really gonna act this way you're really gonna be buffoonish um tyson fury was buffoonish rafe and um it's not oh just to correct history we have had him on the show before but it was a legitimately two-minute interview from the red carpet ahead of that fears that first wilder fury press conference in new york last year never had that full I wanted to say sit down, but I really wanted a lay down Michelle Joy Phelps style inside the the, the bed sheets there uh, that we often see on YouTube. I wanted I want it that way. Rafe, Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Which is probably, I want it that way. I yeah. Mean, I hey, even hey, tried hey, saying to the tell man. Me why, it, just, bro. it wasn't happening. Yeah. Tell me why. Right. Um, Maybe I built it up too much, Rafe. Maybe I, I felt that he would be ropes approved. I felt that. We could hang. By the way, there was no we. You bailed on me, the show, Alex Godinez. You left me hanging with all six nine of the fury. I don't know if I was able to handle it. I don't know if I was ready for it in the end. 
I thought that you could handle the full package. I thought that you, you, I thought that was really what I thought deep down. That's what you wanted. I was born ready. Yeah. Well, not ready for that moment though. Didn't, I mean, it, uh, yeah. All right. We're going to get to that very shortly. Uh, Rafe, um, how, how, how are you living, bro? How's, uh, t- speak to me on nine miles. Speak to me on your new life. Okay. You, you ain't, this ain't, this ain't Eagle Rock LA. All right, bro. No, no, things are a little different out here. A little cooler. I'm enjoying it. Uh, still learning my way around. Almost, almost have a uh, furnished apartment at this point in time. I'm doing all right. What can I say? It's, 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 it's an exciting time. I get to experience Michigan. Life here in the mitten is good. Uh, how's your water? Come on, man. Um, I, thankfully, it is very good, but that's a serious issue, and I wish it were better uh, in all parts of the state. All right. I'm looking out for your health here. Have you visited uh, the ruins of the old Kronk Gym or went down to the Masonic Hall maybe, laced anything up? I have been to the Joe Lewis, fi- Joe Lewis Fist, Joe Lewis Fist, and hey, that was pretty awesome. I haven't done the full sightseeing tour. You know where I really want to go? It's not a box thing, but it is a Motown thing, the Motown Museum, the house where it was all, where it all started. I mean, Smokey Robinson, all my old Art LeBeau jams. You yes. remember that? You know what that's about? Oh, I mean, it's you know what? It's normal for two friends to sit in a car for seven hours stuck in traffic in a snowstorm and listen to Art LeBeau together on a Sunday night on the way to Fresno. That's that's you know, friends do that, Rafe. We listened to Endless Love in the Dark. We, that, I, I that think happened. we literally did that. That That is, yep. that is, uh, that is true there. The first well, day, I might have had a little too much to drink when I met her. Yeah, we, there, was, there, was, there was tug. There was also war. There's a little bit of kindness going on, too. We listened to all of that while driving through the great town of Tehachapi, hometown of Nico Macias, the rooster. I just don't think Broner at this stage of his career has the reflexes to deal with the bang bang. Wow, wrong button at the wrong time there, Dwyer. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Um, we're going to give the people what they want. We're going to give them Tyson Fury. We're not going to F around. First, though, we're going to pause for a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it. And we're back. Your boy BC, Rafe Bugs, coming back at you. State of the combat. It's box time, Rafe. Uh, we're coming off of the most. Uh, did you care? Good Lord. The, probably the worst weekend in boxing recent history in terms of there ain't nothing going on. Rafe, which gave you, to be honest, since I know you're not going to tune into UFC 242 in Saudi Arabia to watch Habib Nurmagomedov because we, I mean, look, we understand your principles and, and, and ultimately how you get down in that regard. You are from the hood. Everybody, everybody's different. I don't want to watch two grown men with panties on. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you get a chance though to watch uh, uh, PBC Countdown, PBC Face to Face, and any of your friends in the media that have programs? Maybe after round and listen to Eric Raskin and Al Bernstein on the Showtime Boxing Podcast. Uh, anything? I've I've listened to those. I've I've dabbled in some of those programs. Definitely listened to that podcast. It wasn't boring. Listened to it again. Still wasn't boring. Can't say I saw every second of every moment of these Spence Porter shows, but I, I think I caught some highlights here and there. You know, I like that Errol Spence was on some NFL football stuff. I don't really watch football, but shoot, sell that fight. Get that money, player. Yeah, dig that thing again. Boom, dig it again, dig it again. That's- All right, I'm just stalling for no reason. Rafe, let's get into the meat of it. It's Big Tice. It's Tyson Fury. He is back this Saturday, ESPN+. Plus. Las Vegas, Nevada, unbeaten 
Otto Valin. And I had him late last week on this podcast coming up right now. It's the Gypsy King talking Valin, Wilder, Fury, uh, Joshua, Ruiz, Usyk, all that, and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It's Tyson Fury right now. Enjoy. Tyson Fury, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, finally has come home to the CBS Sports State of Combat Boxing Podcast. Big man, it's been a long time coming. How you doing? Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Let me just tell you, our listeners are fired up to get to hear your voice, equally as fired up to watch your return Saturday, September 14th, Las Vegas, ESPN+. Plus. Otto Valin. So why don't we start right there? To some who don't know the Big O, this looks like a second comeback fight. They want to see you with the Wilders, the Ruizes, the Joshuas, the Usyks. Why a second fight after the Schwaz when we know you are looking ahead to February to Deontay Wilder? Listen, I'm, I'm just a boxer. I'm not a promoter. I'm not a manager. I'm not a trainer. I do my job, and that's it. I go in the ring, smash some people up, get paid, go home. No more, no less. If you want to know about the ins and outs of stuff, speak to Bob Arum or Top Rank. I'm sure someone there can help you. So what type of fight should we expect September 14th against Otto Valin? One there where two heavyweights are going to punch each other right in the face. Hard. I love that right there. Uh, you mentioned Bob Arum, and this is a new co-promotional deal with you. Fight number two. You're on ESPN in the States. Big business for you. Uh, Bob Arum's a wild dude. We love having that crazy old fox on this show. And every time he does, Big Tice, he's talking about getting high. Have you partied with the old man? Have you you broed out with him? Yes, we've many prostitutes together, me and uh, Bob. We've talked lots, we've smoked lots of weed, and uh, we do a lot of good stuff together. The guy's 149 years old, but he, uh, he he acts every day of 21. Was that part of the appeal, the 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 aura of Bob Arum for you making that deal? Do you know what it was? Bob, Bob's a legendary promoter. Um, he's an awesome guy to be around, uh, but he's never met anybody like the Gypsy King. El Rey de los Gitanos. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this, and this is all in seriousness. Your comeback was incredible. You were robbed against Deontay Wilder. I can say that uh, as a fact. And I think what it almost robbed was the was you one of the what? greatest Deontay Wilder. You know, one of the greatest comeback stories in sports history. And I don't say that loosely. It was incredible coming back from your mental health challenges, substance abuse, all of that stuff. But we've talked so much about that journey to get to the Wilder fight. How has it been for you since last December, staying on the on the straight and narrow, your mental health, all of that? How has it been for you up to this point? It's been good, you know. I've been grinding away daily. You know, a lot of great boxers say that it's easy when you've got nothing in your guts out and, and give everything in the gym, but it's hard when you've got, got money and got success. But I find that totally wrong. I find it a lot easier to get up in the morning when I know I don't have to go and look for to put food train my guts out even harder. I am training like a Trojan warrior here in Las Vegas, and I aim to prove and smash every heavyweight they put in front of me. And I say, I can't do any more than what I can do. I'm the greatest heavyweight that's ever lived. 
are ever likely to be born to our planet. And I'm going to prove that by smashing every motherfucker that gets in front of me. And that's it. And that's how we roll. All right. As of right now, as we record this, just just very close in on your September 14th return, who is the biggest dosser in the heavyweight division? Deontay Bronze Bollocks Wilder. Why? Because he just is. He's a dosser and he knows he is. Well, that's... I see all this stuff about he wants me to step aside. Step aside to what? You know, he's terrified of the Gypsy King. He couldn't beat the Gypsy King when I had three years out the ring on alcohol and drugs. How the f*** is he going to beat the Gypsy King now? I've been training for two years. Come on! Uh, you know, Eddie Hearn actually would agree with you on part of that. I mean, I don't often agree with Tyson <laughs> Listen, we're all fired up. We're ready to go. We're ready to knock out people. Ready to smash them. Ready to box them. Ready to grind. That's all I know. Is there any truth to what Wilder's saying? That if Andy Ruiz upsets Anthony Joshua in their December rematch, that he would pay you to step aside so that he could attempt to become the undisputed champion against Ruiz? Depends how much they want to pay me. Because I hear stepping aside is quite, uh, quite hard work, so it's very costly work. Why announce the Wilder rematch when you both had interim fights? I'm going to speak to Bob Arum about all that. I told you, I only know about smashing. I don't know about business. I never went to school. I never got law degrees. I've not got any uh, business economic degrees. I've got nothing. The only thing I know how to do is <laughs> motherfuckers up. Well, you're, we're a big fan of your antics and one-liners on the show. We're a big fan of... Uh, top bloke named John Fury who we play a lot of great sound bites of. I'm treated and he ain't. Tell me about life growing up with the big gypsy himself, Big John. What were some of the life lessons that he imparted on you that make you who you are today? He used to beat the shit out of me when I was a child. And that's how I became the heavyweight champ of the world. Uh, he took a man's eyeball out, I hear. Is that true? Oh, I don't, I, I don't know about that. Like I said, you're asking me stuff about business and about, about law and all this stuff. I don't know anything like that. I only know about <laughs> fighting, man. <laughs> fighting, that's all I know. That's all I've been bred and born to do is fight. All right, on that fight, note. Fight, 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 fight. About, that's all I know. On that note of being born and bred to fight, in all seriousness, uh, you, you, you came into this world as a premature child. I've got two twin sons who came in extremely premature the same way. And they have an incredible fighting spirit for life for today. How much do you still think about that? Uh, that winning that first battle upon entering the world and how much that sort of helped you form this resolve that's in you now that allowed you to, let's say, get up from hell against Deontay Wilder in round 12? I don't, I don't think about it because I was a newborn baby. So I don't, really, I don't remember what it was like. You know what I mean? Do you know where I'm coming from, bro? All I think about is f***ing motherfuckers up. I go to sleep dreaming about it. I wake up in the morning dreaming about it. I practice it every day, three times a day. All right. Uh, I was going to you know, look in to see if we had any karaoke time here. We play this soundbite on the show every single episode, Tyson. Check it out for a second. I'll try the Gypsy Boys. I'll try the Irish crew. Hey, oh! Here we go. Rising chicken punches like Mike Tyson. What the hell is that from? Do you even remember doing that? 
Yeah, that's me spitting lyrics. That's me, a lyrical geek. <laughs> we could lay awake Listen, on the show I, I like just to... Form, I like to have fun. I'm not a serious guy. Don't take nothing too serious. Don't even take life or business or boxing or anything serious because it's all a game. We're not promised tomorrow. We only live for today. So if you don't have fun today, you're going to be sad for the rest of the day. And that's all I know. And that's my motto. Enjoy, love, share, positive vibes, and give people entertainment. That's what I do. All right, I'm um, um, infatuated with with your background, the gypsies, the Irish travelers. How would a regular buffer like myself be initiated into it? Can, can you teach me some shelter? Am I welcome among your crew? I don't have a crew. I'm a one-man army. A one-man army. I'm a lone wolf. I'm a lion. I hunt alone. All right, so you're saying I wouldn't be welcome among no- the gypsies. Fighting Geary and his crew. There's only one man stand against thousands. One man. All right. right. Let me ask you this then. Who can improve more in a second fight, you or Deontay Wilder, from what we saw last December? I have no idea. I have no real interest. Who who improves? Who does what? What does it really f***ing mean? As soon as you get smashed in the face, who really cares anyway? It's a fight. That's all we know. It's not about improving our game plans. It's about f***ing motherfuckers up. Well, how, what percentage of your peak, if you against Klitschko was 100% of your powers, what percentage do you think you were at coming back so soon that night against Wilder? I don't know, maybe 3%. All right, all right. What do you make about Wilder saying you rising from the canvas in round 12 was more act than... Act of God. Uh, I don't really care what Wilder. I'm not really interested. What he says, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Do you know what? I'm really interested in what Wilder says. What any of these boxing bums say, I really ain't interested. Sticks and stones. They can slate me. They can hate me. They can want to date me. But at the end of the day, they all want to beat me. El Rey de los Gitanos, translated to English, the Gypsy King. Gypsy King is rising again. Uh, December 7th, when we see that aforementioned rematch, Ruiz, Joshua, I know you've gone on record many times saying Joshua doesn't have the cojones, doesn't have the bollocks. Who wins that second fight? No interest at all. Don't care. Won't even watch it. December 7th, I'll be busy. I won't even be watching that fight because I've got no interest in those motherfuckers. Not one bit. Well, you've said fat people can fight. You've said all fat people can. Is this going to be another walkthrough? Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a fat person, and I can fight. Never judge a book by its cover. All right. All right. Well, when we talk about the biggest threat, I've read the interview you gave ESPN, Steve Kim. You said, yeah, Wilder's the biggest threat in this division, but it might actually be Alexander Usyk, the former undisputed cruiserweight champion who's moving up. What do you think about Usyk? Because you're normally I, the I most skilled guy in the ring. I'm sorry? I don't sorry? think much about him, to be honest. He never enters the brain, brainwaves. Never. I mean, here's a guy who wants he's, to he's face the best. I think about, to be honest. But what would a fight look like between you two from this standpoint? You're way more skilled than the other big guys in this division. That's, along with your size, 
your true calling card. Would a smaller man like Usyk, who's among the most skilled uh, in this game, give you an incredible fight? I don't think so. I could probably beat Usyk with one arm tied behind my back. And I'd let you pick which one you want me to fight with, left or right. Either way, it'd be good night. All right, all right. We all good, Tyson Fury? Where, where are you just coming we're from all, before this interview? We're all good. We're all good. You're always putting on a show. Always putting on a show. Can you stop, Otto right. Valley? Any more questions? Any more questions? Well, we're almost there, but, I mean, you made quick work Come of on. the Schwartz. It's Let's your... rock and roll, Len. Let's rock and roll. Big man, you're going to stop Otto Valin? Can you put that same type of pressure on him? Can you come with that same that same uh, aggression against him? Yeah, we're going to try. We're going to do our goddamn best. And that's all we can do in life is do your best. And if it's any good, it's good. And if it's no good, then it's shit. And that's it. That's all we can do. In life, you only got two or bad. That's it. There is no in between. You either do your best or you don't. Either way, it's going to be entertaining got to be fun on the night. I'm going to throw lots of punches, and I'm sure he is too. He wants to win. I want to win. Usually makes for a fight. Eh, who knows what happens in heavyweight boxing? One punch away from disaster or one punch away from glory. Um, can Luis Ortiz ruin the best laid plans by beating Wilder later this year? Is that something you're thinking eh, about? I don't know. Eh, I don't know, man. Why are you asking me all these questions? I don't know. What should we be talking about instead, Tyson Fury? I got a couple of minutes with you. What should we be talking about here? Eh, I don't know. I don't know what to talk about these days, to be fair. You know, the uh, the boxing scene, I'm quite sick of it, actually. Quite sick of talking about boxing. Right. Uh, Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wild, Alexander Usyk. me. The list goes on and on and on. And they're going to be another 10 coming out that would work anytime soon. And yeah, Joe David Joyce Price, he's going to need 11 plumbers. Dave Allen and Derek Chisora, David Price, Agit Cabayel. There's so many. Big Baby Miller. What does it really matter? They're all motherfuckers anyway, and they're all going to get f***ed up. Uh, you have a chance, Tyson Fury, to exit this heavyweight era as the man. This could be the Tyson Fury era when, when two, three years from now is all over if you make your way through all of these names we just mentioned. Where would that put you in, in heavyweight context of history? Do you care about that? It won't put me nowhere. Not interested in history. Not interested in belts. Not interested in legacies. I'm not interested in going down in history as a top bloke. Not interested. I live for today. And today is good enough for me. And that's how I live. I don't care where he placed me in boxing history. I don't care about anything. About title defenses. Anything like that, I mean, absolutely jack shit. It's about on the night, punching people in the face, taking a few back, and enjoying the night. That is it. When it's over, it's over. Who really gives a flying f where people put you in life? Oh, he was the greatest. No, he was the greatest. No, he was the greatest. It's just some motherfucker's opinion who don't really count anyway. When all the doors are closed, who really gives a flying hoot sniff about what goes on in history? Live for today, forget about tomorrow, enjoy the now. Okay. And on that note, I'm going to say adios, amigos. See you on September the 14th. God bless. All praise be to the most high. Amen. Tyson, I just don't get it. Do you enjoy being heard? He's gone. He hung up. The phone call actually ended.
just like that. Uh, yeah. So, um, Rafe. There's 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 nerds in this world, Star Wars fans who wear shirts that say, you know, Han shot first. Uh, Fury hung Fury hung first there. Yeah, he, he had enough, apparently. Brian, I, I got to say, I think that you're taking this too hard. That was a pretty cool interview. It was weird. It was awkward at times. But you got you got some new stuff or some stuff I'd never heard Fury say. You got you also got him to say that he likes to beat mother effers the f up about seventy five times. But really, I mean, how, think of if someone else if if I if one of us had just come across the sound of Tyson Fury saying that me and Bob Arum bang peas all the time and smoke. W's all day and do with all these all, all, all kinds of ridiculousness like that. You know how much we'd wear that sound out. You got that out of him. There's, this, this was not a this, you did not take an L here. There were some L taking, though. I, I lost control of this man. He was not in serious mode, apparently. And by the way, shout out to the great 2019 State of Combat content provider of the year, Evan Korn of Top Rank, for getting that interview, making it happen. Rafe, I was the first on a long day of interviews, and um, I don't know what happened to Big Tice there, Rafe. He uh, he was in no-sell mode. Everything was F Deontay Wilder. Uh, he jacked in the end, Rafe. I mean, well, look, Rafe, I, I, it, is that, that was a the jack? equivalent. That was a, um, is a mic drop, so to speak, a jacking? I don't know. I, like, I, I mean, the two of us were were essentially in a hot tub, Rafe. You you know you can believe what you want whether it happened or not, but it did exist. We both know it did exist. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, seriously, you, you can say you don't know what I'm talking about, but, but I'm seriously I know, saying it, and you know it did exist. So I was left sitting in the hot tub, though, Rafe. Um, we didn't get a real take. We got Usyk is a bum. I'd beat him with one hand tied behind my back. We got I don't care who wins, Ruiz Wilder. They're they're both effing bums. Um, do you have any fear off of that? And you've been critical in print about the Gypsy King, about the sincerities of certain parts of his narrative. Do you have any fear that the man was uh, amped up on Diet Coke or removed the diet? Oh, or he didn't even say he sounded worn out more than amped up. I mean, he was aggressive, but it's the the sort of repeating of some of those lines kind of gave me the impression that maybe he was just done after a long day of interviews and not ready to come with anything fresh or new that was the first one to really give you you know answer your story answer your questions with stories or or at the sort of length we would hope for poppycock to that okay to me it's complete poppycock that was the first interview of the day from our guy the gypsy giant all right Look, I don't know. Maybe he'd been working hard in the gym, brother. You, you, wasn't it? Didn't it happen in the in the late afternoon? For oh, I guess it was only two p.m. on the West Coast. Well, look, did, did you have any fear in listening to that sort of uh, off the rails presentation that our guy is not in the right headspace, or was he just effing around with a clown on the other end of the line? I didn't honestly, Brian. I did not become fearful for his his performance in the ring for his overall mental health for his staying on or off the wagon any of that kind of stuff because 
I, and yes, I've been crit- when you say I've been critical of, of Tyson Fury in print, basically what I've tried to express is that Tyson Fury is never what he shows you or what he says he is. He is some of everything and a, a little of nothing. Nothing is totally true. And he's basically he, – he is extremely purposefully and I think naturally mercurial as a boxer and – as as a person, he it's the same thing. He he's tr- keeping everyone guessing at all times, and it can be kind of a pain in the ass when you're talking to him like that. Um, but it's sort of who he is, and I think when I get critical of him, it's I, I'm almost critical of the the people who buy the narrative. It's like, come on, you know that this guy is spinning at all times because that's who he is. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, he does some he's said some bad things over the years hasn't done a whole lot to, to really of hurtful things to people in terms of actions, I don't think. Um, but, and so I, I think he's will he should be forgiven assuming he can make amends in whatever the right ways are, but it's just like, he, he's, you just got to be careful around the guy. You, you got to be careful what you're listening to. You don't take anything too seriously. And he's sort of telling you that too, at the same time as he's going off on crazy rants and sounding depressed and then happy and uplifting. I mean, he is a roller coaster and you are setting yourself up for disappointment or being fooled if you believe too much in any narrative of Tyson Fury. The gentleman, the scoundrel, whatever you think he is, He'll show you the opposite just to just to mess with you. That's interesting. I, I needed your I needed you. I needed my wingman. I needed my brother. You're 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 talking me off the ledge right now. You're counseling me as a brother right now saying, no, it's it's not you, BC. It's him. But I do want to talk Fury. I want to talk about some of the things he said. Let's talk boxing. Let's talk Tyson Fury. Thank you, Rich. He's he's Greg Maddox, as we know. He's uh well Rich is going far saying he's the new Ali. Um I did though, Rafe, as much as I want to talk Fury right now, I do want to talk you and your role in this because I could have used uh, a a bodyguard in this interview. A remember what Charles the role Charles Oakley filled early in his career for Michael Jordan? He was a wingman, a protector, the same role he fills today in poker rooms, right? In 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 back areas of of clubs, right? I could have used because basically, Big Tice. I was ready to entertain him. I was ready to 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 pour some water on his balls. I was ready to, if I had to, for the sake of entertainment, puffing him up. And I kind of could have used you to jump in and say, "Whoa, slow your roll, Big Gypsy. We're gonna good cop, bad cop this. My boy, he's just trying to water plants." Come on, let the boy water your plants. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he just wants to be Phelps. He just wants to sleep in your bed. Sweet mother of God, what is the holdup? Let the boy sleep in your damn bed. He said he washed the sheets. And in the end, Rafe, when it got completely out of control, I just wanted to have fun with him. I just wanted to do karaoke. I could have used you. Stop this cruel game and allow the boy to keep one shred of dignity. For God's sakes, I can't stand to see him in all this pain. You vicious bastard. Where were you? Brian, I don't I look, I'm sorry I missed it. I sorry I was not there to experience that with you. I don't know that it necessarily would have been any better because 
I don't think good cop, bad cop works on Tyson Fury. I mean, you got to come with some next level head games if you want to keep up with that man in a war of words. I mean, he is a an all-timer in the gift of gab category. And you to stay ahead of him in a conversation like that, I, it's very difficult. He's going to decide pretty early on which direction he wants to take it in. And I bet that it's pretty hard to push him off of that because at the end of the day, he's still the star in any of these interactions. And if he decides that He's done for any reason, whether he's having fun with it and leaving in a dramatic exit or if he's just like, F this, I'm done. He can do anything he wants, more or less without repercussion to a couple of jabronis like us, whether it's one jabroni or two. All right. I guess that's fair, Rafe. All right. It's not about me. It's about these listeners. Okay. And these listeners, they, they got something. They want a little bit more, but they got something very interesting. How close, though, despite the comments he's saying, there are, you know, all these heavyweights are bums, blah, blah, blah. I know there's that narrative you brought up in last week's show of Wilder saying, hey, maybe Fury will step aside so I can face the winner of Ruiz, Joshua. And you heard uh, Fury just now be like, hey, pay me. And Bob Arum has come out and sort of crapped on that idea. How close do you think Fury, as a student of the game right now, is watching these other fights, is watching these other opponents, and does sort of have the entire division in his head on lockdown? I don't know if Tyson Fury is the type who watches a ton of tape, who downloads all the information he can on potential opponents before he's been in the ring with them, or if he figures it out on the fly. I could see it being either way. I do think that whatever his way of preparing for fights is, whatever his way of being in the right mental space to compete at a high level, I think at this moment he's doing that. He is so so he's not he I think Tyson Fury is is on track to be whatever it is he's going to be to to if he gets his fights he's going to show up and and be a decent version of himself. Hopefully better and better each time as this comeback increases and Look, that starts on Saturday, right? Even if Otto Valin is not a very exciting fight to most of us, I will be impressed if he does him like he did the Schwarz because Valin comes in with a little bit better pedigree and reputation than the Schwarz did. So if it's another, if he gets out, if he gets rid of Valin and as impressive and fast or, or close to as fast a fashion, that's a statement. And that means something. It, hopefully does lead to a wilder fight early next year. I I would like to have heard him engage a little more on the issue of wilder and the step aside money and and that whole story. If he can, if they can contractually lock wilder in, if wilder wants to get out and, and fight, fight Andy Ruiz, if Ruiz beats AJ again, it's tough, right? You can't force a fighter into the ring. Uh, but I, I, so I would have, I wish he would have given you a little more there, but you know, he didn't do it. Yeah. You know what? F him, Rafe. You think I care what that guy said on, on, on this podcast? No, I don't, uh, you know, don't, don't fall in love with a podcast interviewer, interviewee who, uh, who no longer exists. And that's fine. Rafe, I'll watch this fight on Saturday. We'll break down who we think wins when it's time to care later on. Uh, you got any other takeaways from this fury thing? I was a little, I, I did. 
I was a little struck by the the dark ending there. You know, the nothing really matters. He sounded like sounded like me on my worst days, which on some level makes me think. Well, if I if I say if I think BS like that and never really do anything bad or change anything, then he probably is just doing the same thing. But it, you you don't hear that out loud a lot. That was interesting to me. That was uh, – I'm glad you brought that up. That was sort of this moment at the end where you got to go, okay, most of what he said right now is BS. Oh, I'll be Usyk around one arm around behind my back. An hour earlier talking to Steve Kim, he broke down Usyk as his toughest challenge. Two hours later talking to somebody else, I'm sure he gave very educated responses to, to his challenges. So you do have to go, okay, w- w- what was it? But – I wonder if there was any truth in that. I wonder if, because in one sense, Rafe, I don't know if you heard him on the Mike Tyson hotboxing podcast, hotbox uh, interview in the hotbox, whatever you call that weed show they do. He was on last night. And there was an interesting chat, but you know, he, he talked at length about how much just being involved in this game again is the cure to not go down the dark depression stages anymore, to not get back into substance abuse and all that. And then on this show to sort of hear him go, you know what? I'm kind of sick of this boxing crap. You know, who cares about these names that are lining up? There's going to be 10 more of them tomorrow. Who cares? I wonder, wonder if if the game is already wearing him out again. And that's sort of what you say is he'll say he'll, you know, he's, he's an Aram like, you know, I was lying today and tomorrow. Well, you know, that's I think that is one of the interesting things, perhaps, about the position Tyson Fury has found himself in. He he's played the game perfectly. He made his comeback. He bet huge on himself in the third fight back against the most dangerous puncher in the heavyweight division. Probably not even a stretch to say in all of boxing and fought. A wonderful fight, deserved to win in in the wide majority of people's eyes. And the payoff for that was this big top-ranked deal, multiple fights. But what comes with that is he's no longer on that bleeding edge, right? Now he's now he has to play the slow game of boxing. Now, now he's gotta he be corporate. To, he can't be now he can't right. be the crazy gypsy. He's corporate now. I, there's a little bit of that, although he's still doing his uh, enough crazy to, to to keep that part of him alive. I think to me, it's more like he can't. He he ha- now he's the guy who's fighting the Schwarz and fighting Valine, and he and they're really even a talker as as flashy and gifted and quick witted as Tyson Fury can only come up with so many ways to talk his way out of the hole. That is I'm fighting trash twice in a row in quick (laughs) succession. And that probably weighs on him. And plus what got him back out of the depths? Do you think it was the idea of fighting Tom Schwarz and Otto Valine? No, it was the idea of coming back and reclaiming his throne against the, the, the no panache crew of AJ Wilder, the 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 top heavyweights who are good fighters, even no matter what uh, Tyson Fury says about them, that's I think he needs competition. He is that he that part of him is True. real, and without it, I, I could I think it, it, that that sort of leads to some of these mood swings because because he can't get the the adrenaline a, a a fighter and an athlete of his caliber needs against these lesser opponents. That's certainly fair. 
I would have liked a little bit more ownership to what's going on business and matchmaking wise than the I don't know. That's a lie. Yeah, that like that's a, a bunch flat of lie. BS. Straight up, tell me. Be honest. Say, look, I wanted to stay busy. The other heavyweights are 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 busy with their own big fights right now. I know Valine's not a world beater or, or whatever, but you know what? Um, trying to trying to help ESPN build a fan base here, trying to build up the brand for these bigger fights. Uh, may, maybe uh, does it do we does it matter? No. Do we win anything more if he shows how the sausage is being made? No. But anything's better than the I don't know. I ain't got a degree. Uh, you know, call effing Bob Aram. But yeah, I mean. Look at the entire man. We know what this fight is. I think this fight is a mismatch. And he sort of said that in the way in different interviews in the last few weeks in which he can't even pronounce Valine's name. He's not even trying, trying to. It's changing every interview. He told, you know, we played the sound of him on that weird Golic show where he's like, yeah, I would have preferred to fight anybody really other than this guy. So it's a wild ride. And uh, and this will go down in history as one of the more wild moments in this podcast, Rafe. All right. That's it was a historical interview, Brian. Keep your head up. Yeah, forgive, but don't forget. All right. I don't know if I'm shouting out the gypsy crew anymore. I, I asked him. I wanted to be part of his clan, Rafe. I was ready to be initiated. He that didn't was want a mistake. To... That was a mistake, Brian. I this is not a gang. This is something you were born into. This is like asking uh you know asking Jesse Jackson how can I be black? It is, it, that is a mistake. All right. Uh, it, it is not that that was probably the, the, the one that was a turning point misstep uh, that, that in listening to, to, to your performance on the podcast. Okay. Okay. I needed this. I needed you to tell me where I went wrong, Rafe, where I took the L in the end. Okay. Maybe... I, I, I did when I was listening to that. I did wish I were there in sort of a Jim Gray capacity to jump in and be like, no, 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 no. All right, no, no, this is Gypsy John's uh, uh, moment. All right, yeah. Wow, um, I, I still would like a dream interview with John Fury, but I doubt we'll get anything out of that. I mean, we know how John likes to live his life in the end. Hear this. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't have nothing. I've got a £10 mobile phone. That's what I've got. and That's all I want. All I want to do is say hello and goodbye. I'm not interested in the modern world. So don't buy into these fake accounts. I've got nothing like that and don't want it. Never will have it either. All right. Well, we had a good what? run with the Furies, Rafe. All right. I guess you eat Fury. The 10 pound, the 10, yeah, the 10 pound uh, mobile phone. Is that like the, the Zach Morris brick? Yes. You think he's it got is. that? Yes. Yes. You know, you got to you got to learn to hold your own, Rafe. They do get jealous when they see you with your mobile phone. All right. I want guys. I want to talk about. Um, I want. I want guys. Um, did you see uh, some latest news this week, Rafe? Uh, Derek Chisora's press conference in which he straight up called out everyone from Eddie Hearn to uh, to Regis Progre and was like, uh, F you pay me, put me in the main event or pay me. And then eventually he walked out. Your thoughts. What a great performance. Look, one thing you you can guarantee even more. I mean, Derek Chisora comes to fight. He's usually Usually a fun guy to watch in the ring, except when he's not in great shape. But at a press conference, that man brings it. I mean, think about think about his his, his best moments: throwing the table, getting glassed, 
uh, he has, uh, you know, I mean, the, 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 the press conference before the, the Dillian White rematch where he was taught where they were talking about the anal beads and and uh, all the voodoo and stuff. Oh, you mean this, I, he, you mean this press conference? No, the press conference had um, sex toys, anal beads, uh, religion, voodoo dolls, donkey talk. I had a bit of everything. That's the one, Brian. And that's a, so that's that's the thing I was noticing. He had that moment where he's like, "I'm getting effed with no Vaseline." Shout out to Ice Cube, and that remind. It's like every something about Derek Chisora. Every time he's at one of these press conferences, he has to have some some backdoor action, right? I mean, it's like anal. You got the anal beads. He's got the. The, the, the Vaseline comment. I don't know. I, I, I'm just I'm just observing a pattern. Um, but to the speaking to the substance of it, I thought it was interesting because one, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see no lies. Derek Chisora and Joseph Parker are not as good pound for pound as Regis Pro, Progre and Josh Taylor, but they are way bigger draws in the UK. And anywhere, honestly, and, in boxing, and, even and in the United you, States, they would be bigger draws. And to pause you real quick, did you see their their face off at that same press conference when they were just awesome talking ish? That got me so damn fired up because Josh Taylor stood up tall in the trash talk game. I thought he'd be a little more respectful, and he went at it. They they did the same right after the the Taylor Baranchik fight when they were in the ring together. They went right into it. Just ta- look, Taylor. It's going to be a good fight. I, I mean, I, I, everyone, all the hardcores, shout out to all of us because we know, we know that is going to be an awesome fight in ter- on, on the level at which it's going to be fought and how much these guys are going to go after each other. It's, uh, I mean, every, who, who is not psyched for that? But Chisora, yeah, it won. But at, unfortunately, that great fight is not as big a draw as Derek Chisora and, and Joseph Parker. And, and Derek Chisora... I don't blame him for feeling a way about being brought in to pump up the numbers of these other guys and probably possibly paid less than them. If, if that's true, he has a right to feel that way. Now in sports, as they always say, you're, you're worth whatever you negotiate for. So if you, if you didn't get as much as the other guy, that then, sucks. Then but you're what can a pumper. You do? Yeah. You're a pumper in the end. He pumps it more than once. Uh, Rafe, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this big news. Uh, KSI Logan Paul 2. Who the hell is that? <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. No, those are YouTubers. Oh, I don't know who those guys are. I'm not on YouTube. Uh, they're going to have a professional fight on the zone in L.A., with Billy Joe Saunders in the co-main, and of course their first fight, which was headgear amateur what it did a million pay-per-view buys around the world at ten bucks a pop or whatever it was when they fought in London. Eddie, at the wow, the great Eddie Hearns knows where to cash in. A pretty smart move for DAZN here, right, Rafe? To co- to connect with a new audience, connect with all those nerd gamers. Absolutely, uh, it's not even just nerd gamers. I don't. I have no clue who the hell these twenty million people subscribe. It's millennials. To these- it's millennials, right? Not, I mean, millennial. I'm a millennial, man. No, they, uh, we're, we're, what's that gap between Gen X and millennial? That's what I am. All right, is it called washed? Because that's what I am. What yeah, is that gap? I'm, called? I'm millennial, bordering on washed. I'm an old millennial. I think. I mean, it's an even younger. I think this is Gen Z. We're really getting into the weeds here, Brian. Um, it is a very smart move for DAZN because what's DAZN is not 
necessarily in the business of boxing, right? The zone, I mean, yes, boxing is part of their business, but the zone's goal is to add subscribers. This will do that. Great. Good for them. Get that money player. I'm not mad at any of them for that. Please, 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 please just don't sell me the, this is going to grow boxing. This is going, this is going to be great for boxing. We're going to make so many new fans because we're putting Billy Joe Saunders on the <laughs> undercard. Good Lord. Have, uh, uh, what a, I, look, I like, I think Billy Joe Saunders is really good when he's on his game. Uh, and can be a, a fun a, a fun fighter for the educated fan to watch. Not who I'm going to introduce a bunch of video game playing morons who are 10 years old to watch to, to to the sport with. All right, I'm going to give them some action. Uh, you know who? You know it's what's a shame. If they were even remotely serious about luring fans into boxing with this, they would put my man King Rye Ryan Garcia on that undercard. Yes. I know. He is not a matchroom fighter. He is a golden boy fighter, but he is the, but it's still the zone. They should be able to work something out. And he is the only person who who has one foot in both of those worlds. Three million uh, Instagram followers can't be wrong. And he is a legit ready for impregnation. YouTuber (laughs) influencer type bloke. And he is a boxer. He is a real talented prospect he should be on that card that is your that is your bridge between these two worlds it ain't billy joe i hate to say it it ain't devin haney as as great as i think he will be in his career it it's someone like like ryan garcia um and i also nothing all of these things that are supposed to be good for boxing and save boxing box it doesn't nothing changes it boxing doesn't get much worse it doesn't get much better it's fine everyone shut up do your cash grab. Don't try to con me. Wow. Wow. All right. Zone and Eddie Hearn and these guys have a plan to build a platform. This will help that plan. Um, I will give respect. And look, it's a circus. It's a joke. It could only happen in boxing and MMA for something like this to happen. We're basically celebrities. We've seen CM Punk in MMA where celebrities sort of just get these opportunities. Uh, I don't want to see it regularly. I don't. I don't hate it because here's why. These two, um, I mean, they've got a ridiculous following combined, but they actually take it seriously, Rafe. It's not like barstool sports, uh, rough and rowdy. Why? Why do you say they take it seriously? Because they take a lot of PEDs and get in good shape. That okay? That's probably true. But uh, I watched their first fight, and they respected the craft. It wasn't like screech uh, celebrity boxing, just throwing haymakers. Like they, so. I have a sm- already in a hood sport in a in a red light district carnival sport and an ultimate carnival event. I actually have respect for the respect that they're showing to this. But yeah, it's all it's all crap. In the you end. have respect right. for the respect that they show. I don't know to what I'm talking People about who anymore. commit suicide in forests in That's Japan. A fair point. They're all clowns. So is Billy Joe Saunders. And staff the pies. <laughs> Because you can't get naked in front of a woman looking like that. Not yet, but I will. I will soon. Do you know I was called a fat Lance Bass? Uh, oh, no way. Like on recently? a YouTube comment for that uh, for the Monday morning combat show I do on Showtime's Below the Belt with Luke Thomas. That's Now, that is not the same as the uh, DAZN show Total Combat? No, what is that? That's weird, right? 
No, no, that's so weird. So weird. Not like morning combat, which is super, super normal. No, that's, and great. that's normal. Yeah, it's spelled with a K, right? All right. All right. <laughs> um, do you think I do? You know what? I can get behind the Billy Joe Saunders idea a little bit just because if he brings the Irish crew, if he brings the travelers in there yes. and they mix with the YouTubers wow, crowd, this be a brawl, that's, that's a nice meeting of worlds. And maybe a few people will go home with a little bit of traveler. But last time. In Carnival Celebrity Boxing that we mixed worlds, we got the skinheads together with our clan for Mayweather McGregor, and we had sound bites like this. Man, your ass is too frail. You go, and you're going to find it out, too. Trust and believe me, you're going to find it out. Yeah, he found that out. Uh, Rafe, real quick to end this ridiculous talk, did you see a little war of words there between Leonard Ellerby and Dan Raphael? in which Dan Raphael was defending the KSI Logan Paul bout on Twitter. Then you had Ellerby going, oh, look at this guy. You ripped Mayweather McGregor up and down like crazy. And by the way, at the Brooklyn stop of that Maymac press tour, I sat next to Dan when Leonard undressed him on the microphone. And Dan came back with the argument that a 49-0 all-time great fighter fighting a guy in his first pro fight is more ridiculous than this because... KSI and Logan Paul are at least evenly matched. I, I don't. I don't buy that logic. Like it's it. It's all ridiculousness. First of all, like I mean, at least Conor McGregor was like a competent, elite combat sports athlete. Yes, I, absolutely. I think. I, look, and more. I, look, I, I I disagree with the argument that that this is should even be in the same universe being compared to Floyd versus McGregor because they were both professional athletes. They were both professional combat sports athletes. They are both professional combat sports athletes in similar, not the same sports. Obviously there's a huge difference between boxing and MMA, but striking backgrounds, it was, it, it was something that was a circus fight, but it was not, uh, it, it was an actual fight and they were people who who make their careers as fighters it just they, they you can criticize that fight but it's not worth it's not something to use in an argument to prop up Logan Paul versus KSI yeah, and and Brian like the 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 Logan Paul the thing that I have found interesting in the response to Logan Paul KSI discussion has been it does seem like our our world, our boxing media world has been way more open-minded and willing to embrace this fight than we are anytime there is another Floyd Mayweather coming back rumor. Like, like every time Attention, there's a Floyd, rumored Floyd comeback, there's a ton of tweets and everyone being like, oh my God, is this happening again? I'm going to shoot myself. I hate boxing, whatever. But we want to watch boxing these two clowns? shit, man. Um, it's, uh, I, I think that I don't need Floyd to come back. I'm not hoping that Floyd comes back, although I wouldn't mind the Manny fight. I'm not going to pretend that I would. You just don't want him um, against a Japanese kickboxer who's four way class. I don't know about Floyd's reported, yeah, uh, right. Chinese exhibition No more Logan Paul talk, no more KSI talk, but yeah, some people got that score wrong. You have a big dump in your pants. Yeah, it smells. All right, Rafe, uh, that's all I got for news this week. I, I, I'm I'm ready to roll into weekend preview. Do you care? You got anything else you want to sell or peddle before then? No, no, I, I want to begin caring. All right, let's start caring about what's going on Friday night in the zone, New York's Madison Square Garden Theater. 
The main event is Devin Haney. We'll get to that in a second. But how about we chat with Heather Hardy? She's the WBO Women's Featherweight Champion. Big time showdown here in the women's game against seven-time world champion Amanda Serrano. Friday night in the zone. Let's talk to the Heat. Get yourself in heat right now, Rave. Enjoy. Heather, the Heat Hardy. How you doing? Doing well, thank you. Yourself? So good. So good to hear your voice. Very excited for you and fired up for this women's title fight that all fans need to see. We talk about a fight that has personalities, that has big-time records, this WBO featherweight title bout. Friday, September 13th, Madison Square Garden, the Hulu Theater. Heather, this you two, you and Amanda Serrano have been circling each other for years. What's sort of the history of the of the relationship slash friendship, and how are you going to put that aside for this one? Sure. I mean, Amanda and I uh, met back in, like, 2012, right when I first was turning pro, and uh, Jordan had asked me if I wanted to come in for some sparring, and... You know, we had a handful of sparring sessions early, early in my career, and Jordan really respected me. I think he was so impressed that I was so tough and could stay in there with a match. You know, she she's such a hard hitter. They couldn't really get girls to come in for consistent sparring, and, you know, we just became friendly, and Jordan was adamant that we wouldn't use each other to make our way to the top, no trash talking, stuff like that, um, but we respected each other, let ourselves kind of climb to the top now here we are and you know I've, I've seen the interviews with amanda where she has full respect for you and she when talking about those sparring sessions said heather just wouldn't stop coming back every day the next day no matter how hard it was i mean what do you think you showed her in those sessions and i know in sparring you never know what you can take from it a lot of times it's years apart from when you end up fighting somebody but what do you think she learned about you in those um well that I'm tough and that I'm in pretty good shape and that I don't really, I'm not someone that you can break. You can't break me. <laughs> and um, so if anything she learned and took from those barn sessions is that she she can't break me. Absolutely. I, I suppose there's a lot she took from the barn sessions, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I, I would say to my, to my, to my uh, credit, that's one thing that nobody can sleep on. When you... When you have that reputation for being such a tough fighter and a tough out, and I say tough out, you've never lost in the boxing ring. You're 22 and 0, but that's sort of your calling card, the the toughness mixed with the skill. For you personally, what's the foundation of that? Where does that come from? Um, There are so many times in life where if you don't keep fighting, then you don't really get to see the next day. You know, like I've been through so much in my, my real life, but I know what it's like to fight from the bottom coming up. And to be inside a fist fight, I mean, that's easy compared to some of the other things. Like, you go into a fist fight, you always got a chance to win. No matter what your odds are or what people think about the other person, you always have a chance to win when they step into the ring or the cage. There are sometimes you're fighting where you ain't got a chance, you know, and you still got to give it everything you got. So I know what it means to dig deep. Yeah, I can certainly respect that. You're going, you've got the unbeaten record. You've got the title, but you're certainly going against one of the most decorated, uh, belt collectors and, and boxers we've seen, a seven division world champion in Amanda Serrano. How do you sort of break down from a tactical standpoint 
and and what both of you bring into the ring at what type of style of fight we're going to see uh well Amanda's a she's a solid puncher she's a strong puncher and as tough as I am I'm smart too I don't think people give me enough credit that I'm a smart fighter so do I want to stand in front of her no but if I have to am I going to you bet your ass I am (laughs) so you're going to see an exciting fight for sure. I mean, neither one of us like to play games in there. We're in there to take, you know, she wants to take my belt, and I want to bring it back home. You're a New York-based fighter. You always draw a big crowd. I mean, this is the theater at New York's Madison Square Garden. This is the mecca. This is the place you won your world title in 2018. Uh is that real, that aura of MSG that so many people talk about, where when you step into that building and step into that ring, that it is just some, something special going on in the air? For sure, it's magic. That's why Billy Joe plays his piano, you know? Some of the, the biggest sports, you know, the history of sports in Madison Square Garden is so rich to be able to be a part of it, to be able to be in the locker room. I had my last MMA fight at MSG, and when I went into my locker room, they had a little card for me that said, oh, welcome back to the garden, Heather, and like a little bag, like a gift. And I just cried before the fight. I was like, who the hell am I? <laughs> so it never gets old. That's awesome. And you, you did have that run in Bellator that was exciting. You became an instant fan favorite. You fought on some very big cards, like you mentioned, ended up going two and two. Is that it for you uh, on that side, or are you still open to opportunities in that sport? I don't know, man. I mean, I don't like to count anything out. I love to fight. I fight for my career. I fight, like, you know, to put food on the table. So when an opportunity comes up, I weigh it out. Like, I'll be honest, I really didn't plan on coming back to boxing until Amanda called me out. And then I had to weigh out my options and think about, was it worth it? And here I am. So... My, you know, I'm 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 open to hear. <laughs> <laughs> what what is your biggest takeaway from your uh, two year four fight run in mixed martial arts compared with the long resume you built in boxing? Did was it was it an enjoyable experience overall? Uh, it was really hard. I mean, you know, I, I started. I had my first MMA fight. I, my very first fight, let alone a pro debut, but my very first MMA fight at 35 years old. You know, who the hell does that? <laughs> I didn't even know what I was doing when I got in that cage. Um, it, it was it was a good career decision. I'm really glad I did it. I mean, my nose isn't so um, didn't come out complete <laughs> like the rest of me did. My nose probably wishes I didn't make that switch over, but it served its purpose for sure. Uh, how much different is it in terms of, uh, you know, when you're game planning, when you're in there and it, and it's, it's not just your two hands. I mean, you could end up on your back for a full round. A lot of bad things can happen in there. And, and I know you came into some of these skills late, learning jujitsu, learning wrestling, learning all that stuff. What's it like in that chess match with all those extra, extra additives in there? Man, it's nerve-wracking, you know. But, like, when I first started with MMA, my mom told me, you know, like, my mom's kind of like, like, listen, if somebody steals your wallet on the street, are you going to ask them what belt they are in jiu-jitsu? Or, no, you're going to get your wallet back. So I never really went into the cage being so worried about what the other person was going to do as, as much as what do I have to do to win. And I'd say 50-50 ain't so bad for a 35-year-old mama who never did it before. <laughs> Not bad <laughs> One at all. One of the biggest MMA organizations in the world, no less. Well, you developed a reputation pretty quick in Bellator where, like, if 
if Heather Hardy's fighting, we got to find out. Is it on the zone? Is it on Paramount? Where is this? This is going to be a fun fight. I mean, uh, do you take pride in that? I sure do. I mean, like every fighter would, you know, you want, you want people to want to see you fight. Right. And, and people always want to see me for a good reason. And <laughs> that, that I'm proud of. All right. Well, you enter this fight as the betting underdog. Do you have the mentality of an underdog in this fight against Serrano? Yeah, I sure do. I mean, look, I mean, look, the, the promoters are even already talking about her next fight against Katie, you know, and they're promoting this big super fight between her and Katie. I knew going in, I'm not just going up against the seven division world champion. I have to break, I have to break what they've already plotted out for her, right? They already planned for me to lose. People are writing articles talking about how I'm going to be her hardest win ever. So I've, I've already been counted out, but you know, like I said in the beginning of this interview from, from my life, I've been fighting as the underdog for a really long time, a really long time. And I know what it's like to fight from the bottom when nobody's cheering for you. So I'm cool with it. You know, and you also came into this sport turning pro in 2012 where, you know, the, how people looked at it at women's boxing is certainly not at the level it is today where, where you, you're one of the, the big names people talk about in terms of there's marketable fighters that fans need to see that a lot of fans that didn't know much about women's boxing are learning quickly. They're learning the Katie Taylors. They're, they're, they're learning the Amanda Serrano's and, 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 you know, all on and on. And certainly Clarissa Shields winning two gold medals help that. Um, how different is it from when you started from where it is today? And, and, and how happy are you with the growth of the sport? It's tremendously different. 2012 was the first year that women were allowed to box in the Olympics. So we're seeing all these names that you just mentioned, like Clarissa Taylor, I mean, Clarissa Shields and Katie Taylor. These are girls who competed in the Olympics, who caught the eyes of the promoters. And that's why they signed them on. I mean, to say that women's boxing is thriving, I don't really, I think that's, that's really not accurate because each promoter maybe has one girl, two girls who came out of the Olympics and they're promoting them. You know, you look at a guy like Lou Devella, he has a stable of female champions that he's been trying to promote. And no one else is really doing that. I mean, we're way better off than we were in 2012. And everybody always criticizes me as I'm one of those women who's never satisfied. She's always complaining. She's always talking about this. But true story, man, no freedom till we're equal. And we're nowhere close to that yet. How do you? How does the sport get there? And it, and you know it may come long after you're retired. Hopefully not, but it may come long after you're gone. How? What would be some of the big changes that would be need to be made for pay equality, for more TV time, for just more overall exposure for women's boxing? Well, a, a big step now is that they've expanded the weight classes in the 2020 Olympics for women's boxing, which is really exciting because it's going to pr produce more champions, more faces, get a little bit more attention to the girls who've been grinded through the amateurs. You know, like like a lot of the argument from the networks was always like that, that there aren't enough competition, there aren't enough girls, but you have amateurs right now in their late teens, early 20s with hundreds of experience hundreds of amateur fights that could go in and put really technical boxing matches out so so that's really exciting like you said i'm 37 it will probably come way after my time but things are headed in the right direction and you know you certainly played a big role by going out there and making fun fights and being a good ambassador for the sport and i know this isn't uh you know your retirement so it's almost weird to ask questions on legacy but how much do you think about the idea of 
what you put out there for people, either from being a role model or, or just how people may remember you when you do eventually hang it up? I'll be honest. Like I said, I already told you I planned on retiring, and they kind of dragged me back into boxing with this fight with Amanda. But I, I really got to a point where I felt like I did everything I wanted to do. I mean, I turned pro in 2012, became the first female ever to do so many different things, right? I mean, who would have thought in 2012 when I made my pro debut? If I said to, to, to everybody up on in that ring, you know, in five years I'm going to win my first world title on HBO, everybody would have laughed at me. But I did it, right? At Madison Square Garden on HBO, I did it. So I, I feel really confident that I can walk away with this from this sport, from like I did the best I can. Could I did a ton of stuff that people said I'd never do. I feel accomplished. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, final question here on this fight, which which should be spectacular, should be a real fun one. Uh, what has to go right for you for this to be a big win for Heather Hardy against Amanda Serrano? I have to go right. I can't make no mistakes. That's what Amanda does. She kept and and what every good fighter does, right? They capitalize on your mistakes. So I can't make no mistakes. I got to be the perfect Heather Hardy on Friday night. Can't wait to see this Friday, September 13th, live on DAZN. Devin Haney in the main event, but don't miss this fight. Heather Hardy, Amanda Serrano, New York City. Heather, thank you so much for the time. Great chatting with you. Really looking forward to see how this plays out. Thanks for having me, buddy. I'll talk soon. Thanks. All right, Rafe. Uh, you know, we've, we've, we've heard you in the past be critical of women's boxing in terms of should we care what type of placement it should get at the very least this is a fight two good fighters two big names two people with new york city backgrounds who are fighting in msg who are going to probably help pack that theater i'm interested in this fight hardy at 37 past her prime you heard her talk about it but she comes to fight serrano much more skilled bigger puncher if this is the bridge to get Katie Taylor, an important opponent, then that little game, that little bracket they got going on in the zone, I, I'm, I'm here for it. I know you don't want to talk about Delphine Persoom, but I'm here for it, Rafe. Brian, first of all, I, I don't know why you're projecting all these negative vibes on me. I've never said, I've never uttered anything close to the attitudes that you're suggesting I hold. And of course, in fact, I don't hold anything of the sort. Just because sometimes I keep my I keep my comments short on some of these fights you throw out, you throw by me on the weekly basis, that doesn't mean I got anything against them. I I love me some Heather Heat Hardy. I love me some Amanda Serrano. And actually, to be to be to, to be serious for a minute, I think this is a good this is an interesting fun matchup. Though both women have been selling tickets to to fights that they, on cards they've been on. Big time for years in in the New York area. So damn right they 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 deserve this spot on the card. And I think that especially in in a venue like the the theater, whatever they call it now at at Madison Square Garden, the old Felt Forum. That's what my dad calls <laughs> it, the Felt Forum. In there, their their crowds are going to be out, and it's going to be it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And Heather Hardy makes really fun fights. I think Amanda Serrano is better, but yeah, if it leads to a, a really good fight between her and and Katie Taylor, assuming she gets through another fight with Delphine Pursoon or whatever the hell happens after that, 
good, man. They're they're making interesting fights, including the fights with Clarissa Shields on the other side, and they're the there's momentum building for women's boxing that hadn't been there before, and that that's helping bring people who, as you have suggested, I have dragged my feet for this movement. I mean, it's bringing, a, it's questioning... bringing us along. All right, that's a very woke take from you. We, we don't. I mean, you're 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 okay with suffrage? That woman judge. Who... You're, you're not. You're not going down that road. I respect that. Um, did, what do you think about Hardy's comments there, where she said, where I sort of put over that women's boxing, sort of getting some shine right now. It's coming together, and she was like, "Well, hold up. We got a long way to go here. We're in women's pay. We're not even remotely even. That's why I had to go to Bellator for four fights." Um. I liked her responses in terms of what might help and change it in the future, but do you think this is where we're going to stay for a while? Meaning, okay, we got three or four names we know. We're going to care a little bit when you match them together, but we're not. It's not going to be UFC until we get a Rousey. We're not going to get the UFC level of care for this. Yeah, especially with boxing, where. The pay scales don't make any kind of sense. This is not like a regularized business or in any way. This is you get what we a random number someone has made up or negotiated or, or you've negotiated for, and that's it. And I think that Heather Hardy especially has a, a very strong case with the her history of selling huge blocks of tickets to to people in the New York area to come watch her fights that. She's gotten a raw deal, but in the greater scheme, it's always going to be the fighters selling huge the, at the very top of the sport, the, the heavyweight, the heavyweights, the, the Floyds, the Mannies, the gigantic megastars are going to make the lion's share of the money. And unless boxing produces a female megastar along those lines, I don't think they're ever going to get that kind of money. I'm with you. You do need that one star, that one thing to really make the change happen. But uh, let's talk quickly about this zone main event this Friday. Devin Haney, rising star, moving up to the title level. He's coming off that insane knockout. Do you remember the bloke that he uh, sent to the deep, dark depths? It was fun to watch, Rafe. I remember the knockout. I remember the bloke. Um, This is a vacant interim WBC lightweight title bout. Haney versus Zawur Abdulayev. Abdulayev. Sorry, Rafe, I, I don't do well on this show with names. We know that. Luckily, we have Dwyer here to not make me look as bad, ultimately, in the end. Sergei or Sergei Kovalev. Um, all right. Um, Kovalev. Look, Haney's rating to bust out. This was a big get for Eddie Hearn and for DeZone. Uh I don't know anything about Abdulayev here, Rafe, but um, I'm fired up to see this fight on Friday. How's that for analysis? I'm with it, man. I, I am not far ahead of you in that regard. Um, but Abdulayev, strong amateur background. One of these guys with weird names. He could be dangerous, Brian. He could be dangerous. No, I want to look, listening to the analysis of people who I trust and who have paid more attention to this than I have. It's the best fight yet for Devin Haney. It is a real fight. The reason that everyone is overlooking Abdulayev is just is has a lot more to do with how high the boxing community is on Devin Haney and his future. And I thought people you were going to stop more... there and say how high the boxing community is and just leave it right there. But no, keep Lay, going. Stay yeah. off the weed boxing community. 
except for Al, uh, uh, Al not Al, um, Bob Aram. Yes, um, yes. But um, yeah, no, I mean, Abdullayev is, is, is a quality prospect verging on contender. It's just that people with good reason believe that Haney is a real future star in boxing and, and there's more excitement over how good will he look in getting past this real test whether can he get past this real test? But shoot, yo, Abdullayev, prove everyone yeah, wrong, he's right? He's 25 years old, Abdullayev, 11 and 0 with seven KOs from Russia. Went the distance in outpointing Hank Lundy, the husk of of uh, of washed Henry Lundy there in 2018. This should be interesting. Devin Haney is waiting to burst, Rafe. He's uh, I got a chance to talk to him uh, late last fall. Went on that podcast media row there during uh, Golovkin Jacobs week and confident man 20 years old ready the devin the dream ready to just burst out ready to to create bulges right ultimately i mean the the man that he killed there was antonio morand in may yeah got, got a decision win over juan carlos burgos stopped rock hard mighty he's doing some things rafe can't and wait brian, brian is he you think he's truly ready to burst are we going to see it in the ring on i was Saturday? talking more about you well, I, Todd I, look, Grisham's I, voice. My load your... management is top elite. All right. I was talking about the combination of Todd Grisham's voice on the call and and uh, and you pumping it a few times more than once. Him and his brother used to bang it out all the time. Now you uh, also on this card quickly, Rafe. I uh, can't pronounce the guy's name in the co-main event, so I won't go further. Do you care about former cruiserweight Michael Hunter, now a heavyweight, taking on Sergey Kuzmin? Yeah, why not? I want I mean, look. Michael Hunter has only lost. In going the distance to Alexander Usyk, that loss ages better every day. He's looked damn good at heavyweight, and they yeah, almost he almost got he... the Joshua fight that Ruiz got and knocked him out. That's very interesting. Yeah, man. Let's see. Let's see what let's see where this guy goes. But the more the more the merrier in that division, baby. All right, Saturday in Vegas, it is that Fury Otto Valin fight we talked about. Who's Valin? He's six foot five, southpaw, unbeaten. Has not been tested despite his amateur Olympic background. They tried to get him, like we talked about with Steve Farhood, on that Showtime card with Carissa Shields. The fight went only went one round before ending due to a uh, uh, whatever. They tried to book him again. The fight hey, fell. The great Nick Kisner. No, no fighter active today looks more like a Mario brother plumber yes. than Nick Kisner. And so we don't really know about Valine, but you're going to have to assume, Rafe, that this will be different than the Schwaz, that the Schwartz, that Tom Schwartz, who Fury looked fantastic in peppering and knocking out, was more of the Sefer, Seferi variety. So if this is step up number two in 2019 for Fury. You're thinking we might see a pinata This could one? be pinata-ish. I would assume Valine is more live. He's got some technical skills. Could be fun early seeing how Fury navigates this. I just hope for Fury's sake and for ESPN's sake. And again, I think there's an argument to make here if you're ESPN. Why are these fights not on regular ESPN if you're trying to build Fury's pay-per-view brand outside of putting it on the plus and trying to build your subscriber base for that? But I'd like to see Fury, second fight in a row, step on the gas and do maybe what doesn't come comfortable for him but make statements and get the people out of there once he's learned how to decode them and built up a lead. Yeah, I would like to see that. Um, and well, I, I'm already thinking ahead. To, you know, this is this is a, a traditional huge weekend in boxing, right? Mexican Independence Day weekend. There is no Canelo fight or or huge fight like 
traditionally we have, the WBC Mayan belt will be on the line for this fight. But really what I'm thinking of is what how how cringy does the Tyson Fury tribute to Mexico ring entrance get on Saturday night? <sighs> I could I could be done with that. All right. I could be done with that. <laughs> You, be done be, with... you think it could be cringy? Hey, Fury's teetering right now in my fan in my fanship. All right, the good ship lollipop here. The uh, not the BC journalistic viewpoint on life, but the BC fan boat. Fury's kind of one leg over the side. All right, the waters are getting don't, choppy here. All right, don't take it. Don't 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 take it so personal, Brian. He's still he is who you thought he was. He's just also. A little bit more, right, and we, not the best way. We still got a few uh, more to talk I about. I think we he gotta... beats Valine easily. I, uh, it's going to be interesting. Think about Tyson Fury. He's fighting some guy named Schwartz next. No, no, that already happened, Rich. Wrong button. All right. Uh, hey, in this co-main event, quick turnaround here for Emmanuel Navarrete. After twice sending Isaac Dog Bay to hell and then coming back in a featured bout on ESPN, he's back again in this co-main Defending his WBO Junior Feather title against Juan Miguel Elorde. Is he a Pinoy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The grandson of the great Flash Elorde. All, all, the most common boxing gyms in the Philippines are, are Elorde brand boxing gyms. So you see, like, it's it's really like the, the it's like kind of the way you would see, like, UFC gyms on, on the side of the freeway here. You just see Elorde boxing all over the country. Wow. And, Even and though his name I is have, Juan Miguel? I have played basketball with his young, with his older brother Nico, who is ex- short. But man, yo, wow. one of the roughest, def- like not rough, but like don't ever handle the ball around that man. He's he he will just strip the hell out of you. Uh, just a great ball hawking small guard. Uh, I, say I, that I'm about... going to be rooting for Elorde, who is probably way overmatched in this. They used to say those same things about Yusuf Mack on the basketball court. Uh... Yeah. Uh, does Juan Miguel have a uh, Mexicano mama? I don't believe so. All right. Navarrete getting some push here. Uh, what are your thoughts on Isaac Dogbay coming back in a 126, Six? 128 catch rate bout against Carl Frampton with both coming off of losses? Wow. I love that fight. Ballsy. Both fighters. <laughs> extremely ballsy because... Yeah, both. Co- it's a huge setback for either fighter who loses. Yeah, man. It is also, I mean, it, I think it's a da- it's it's very dangerous for Frampton. This is the kind of style that he doesn't like. A, a very active, physical, strong, sloppy guy who's going to be trying to get in his A, get in that right. ass. I mean, let's bring in T Street for a second here. Inside that big scrotum, scrotum. Is huge, huge testicles. Yeah, man. What does he have? I mean, ultimately. He's got real big balls. Thank you. Real, thank real you. Uh, you. You know Terrell Van, T-Street, my guy? I don't know, but I like that sound. All right. All right. Um, you're going to be looking forward to this Navarrete fight. He's must-see. But, Rafe, there is a fight below this on Saturday's ESPN Plus card oh, yeah. that has oh, yeah. you and I real fired up. The Jose Super Bowl 10 rounds junior welterweights, Jose Pedraza against Jose Zapata, the Freddie Roach train fighter who you and I, when we were in Fresno that night, watched him lose to Jose Ramirez in a fight that I thought he won. Yeah, that, I mean, he fought a great... He looked he looked like a world-class fighter against Jose Ramirez that night. I mean, just smart, good counterpunching, tricky style, 
I, I like this guy. I think it's a dangerous first fight for Pedraza at 140 pounds. And I like Pedraza a lot, but wow, that's, this is not a pushover. Yeah. I guess perhaps Cepeda doesn't have a ton of the, he doesn't have a ton of knockouts, right? He doesn't seem like a heavy, heavy power puncher. Maybe this is just like a, look, make it through this fight on your, on your, on your feet, Pedraza. And, uh, you will come out with a close, uh, decision, but it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, the 30 year old Jose Zapata is kind of like the Mexican sexy Sergio, right? Southpaw tricky. He doesn't, he doesn't do the hands down. I mean, he's not quite as doesn't have the daring do of Maravilla. He's a California boy, by the way, born in the U S like his style, like Freddie Roach in his corner. Want to see that fight. A lot of names on this undercard Rafe. If my computer would only load faster, I would tell you also on this card, Carlos Quadras is back knee. He's back against Jose Maria Cardenas, 10 rounds, junior bantamweights. We got Gabriel Flores, Jr., Against Miguel Angel Perez Icepiro. Eight rounds lightweight, say that fast. And Felix Valera in a light heavyweight duel against Vyacheslav Shabransky with two Oh, Vyacheslav. Yes. Uh, okay, let's move on quick. I got to get out. It's, it's almost uh, skinhead white guy time. I'm sorry. We, we, we sometimes record these back to back. Also Saturday in London on ESPN Plus. This screams like MTK Global, Rafe. Brad Foster and Lucian Reed in the main event. For Foster's British Junior Feather type. No one cares, right, Rafe? I do not care. Does anybody even watch those MTK Global fights? Yeah, I'm sure there are some people out there. There there are some real, real hardcores who put us to shit. Make us look like casuals, Brian. Uh, Saturday, Carson, California. This is probably in the the war grounds there, right? In the old old, uh, stub hub. It's the zone, and it's Jaime Munguia in his final bout at 154 before trainer Eric Terrible Morales, my campeon, said that he will move up to 160. He's going to defend his WBO junior middleweight title against Patrick Alote. I don't know much about this opponent, Rafe. Do you? I have done some research. The man got sent to hell pretty quickly by Patrick Teixeira. I think that's the end wow, of this is that analysis. The guy that, uh, that uh, Curtis Stevens sent to hell. Yes, on one yes, of those. yes. Yeah, it, it, by right. the the transitive property of sent to hell, this does not look good for Patrick Alotti. Yeah. You know who does look good is Ryan Garcia. He's a very handsome kid, Rafe, and he'll be back in this co-main event against Avery Sparrow. Ten rounds lightweights, Rafe. This has the potential to be a very competitive fight. This is interesting. This says trap fight written all over it, man. I mean, Avery Sparrow is a Philly fighter. His only loss is by disqualification. He's coming off a win over Washed Lundy, which is still probably better than any single win on King Ryan's record. This is dangerous stuff. Yeah, man. Man. And then I take advantage. And then when I shoot my shot, it, I shoot, you know, for the KO. Unfortunately, he was talking about his love life with that quote, Rafe. Um, also, we got a title bout in this card. Franchon Cruz Desern will defend her WBC Women's Super Middleweight title against Alejandra Jimenez. All right. Uh, also on Fight TV on Saturday, Rafe, from Monticello, New York. Carlos, Hell yes. Carlos Hell yes. Tackum of Joe, Catskills, baby. of Joe DeGuardia promotional fame now will heavy, will have a heavyweight 10-round bout against Craig Lewis in this main event. Why would Tackum sign there and not fight Usyk on the zone? I don't understand boxing. Uh, also, Rafe... Oh. 
we, we are got, you going to go down that undercard for me? What do you got? What do you got? Say it. Because you. All right. First of all. First of all, shout out to Monticello. Shout out to Sullivan County. My grandparents lived there when I was growing up. I went to day camp for a couple summers up there in Monticello. I, I, they used to bring me to the basketball courts in Monticello, my counselors, and have me hustle kids there. Wow. This was, I heard yeah, basketball I, I, courts I felt in the like, summer got girls there. I felt like hot stuff man not just because like i would come in i'm from the city man i could i could i could serve all of you you on point Rafe? because what's that you on point rafe I, all the time brian all the time and so um i i have a lot of affinity for the area for the monticello racetrack and the new casino up there uh joe DeGuardia, thank you for bringing these fights up there Takum, I don't really care about, but look on the undercard. A guy from your neck of the woods in Connecticut, Hartford, Richie Popeye the Sailor yes, Man Rivera. I know him. Wow. Eight rounds that, light heavyweights against Israel Dufus. That what is up? Do you know anything about this guy? He's in, I, I I've only watched him from afar. He, he does looks local ridiculous. Shows. Yeah, he's very charismatic. He got he he has the real Popeye tattoos. Yes. He wears the Popeye hat and pipe. He he has like a crazy you know silver or platinum front in his this. mouth. I might have around and watch this on Fight TV. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> also Saturday in Tweedshead, Australia, Bilal Deeb, Bidib, Billy Dib, Bilal Dib versus yeah. Carlo Magli. I don't care, Rafe. Uh uh in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, there's a non televised card with Michael Fox, the junior welterweight in the main event. I know you don't care about that. All right. Uh, that's it, Rafe. I can't do this anymore, okay? I got the skinhead show coming up right now. Um, Shout out to you. Shout out to Tyson Fury and Heather Hardy for joining us. Shout out to our super fan, Alex Godinez. Hey, we got some other great fans and listeners here, too, like Dylan Hager, like Quality Bloke. Sometimes I feel like we've got three fans, but I love them. All right. Shout out to Eric Raskin in the Showtime Boxing Podcast. Check out that collaboration with Al Bernstein this week while Kiernan is somewhere saving whales. Ray, if you got any messages for the people, any anything to say on the way out here? Shout out to Homer for the DM slides. Shout out to Ulrich Anderson for the email slides. Pop bloke. Shout out to all of y'all. Shout out to Omar Nebraska. We out.